I've been waiting 23 years to say that. Clorox, uh, you got your Clorox cocktail and ready to go? Yeah, I got my, yeah, I'm all set. I have my needle yep, so I can good. inject myself with We're bleach. We're battling that coronavirus. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to battle it so hard. By the time this so episode hard. comes out, something else ridiculous will have happened and everyone will go, oh yeah, that's right. That was a thing that happened that one day in the middle of the crisis that we all thought was ridiculous until this next ridiculous my, thing happened. My mm. favorite thing so far out of I know we're no, not super but... political when we're on here, but I found this hilarious meme that I posted uh, because of Trump's uh, whole bleach and disinfectant speech where it's like uh, one of his head secretaries saying, sir, we can't send an astronaut to the sun. They will burn and die. And Trump just and Trump goes, we'll go at night. Oh, that is pretty funny. Welcome to the FBI's most unwanted. We'll stop talking about current events. I'm Matt. We, it's just, I'm Justin. We can't help it. This is what is happening right now. And this is the first. This is just. This, this is, is now the world what we've become. Now, and it's pretty hard not to talk about it. But we'll move on. Talk about the X-Files. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. You might hear some noise in the background. That's fine. It is fucking hot out here. So my windows are open. So you might hear eh. like flapping of blinds. Whatever. Or You'll probably hear. Car or whatever. The cat is down it's here. It's hot as balls. The rabbits are over there. They... You've heard all the animal noises that happen. I live in my little zoo that I love very much, but sometimes when I'm recording, it's noisy. The duck Where's is the not duck? ours. Where's the, the duck? duck. <laughs> the duck was only not. visiting, thank goodness. It was adorable, but I would not want to have ducks. That would be just another thing to have to deal with. Anyway, um... Pretty much anything we can talk about except this episode because it's another slog of an episode. But we are almost out of the slog into a string of winners. So we'll get through Roland, which is the 23rd episode of the first season. Uh, originally aired May 6th, 1994. And it was written by Chris Rupenthal and directed by David Nutter. Now, a little, yeah, a little bit of uh, background information. Um, this one, even though we ourselves have said it was a slog, was also not super popular with the cast or, or the crew, kind of like the last one. Um, David Nutter, I'm trying to see in this article for the exact quote. I had it and I lost it. Uh, well, never mind. David Nutter, something about... 
David Nutter thought it was not a strong script. Anyway, I can't get the I can't find the exact quote. I lost it. But um, David Nutter didn't think it was like a very strong script. He thought the only thing that saved it was uh, the performance of Zelizko Ivanek, who actually plays Roland, who the title is named for. Here's here's the thing, and this is kind of what set me oh, off. Oh, here right I found it. Yeah, he said probably the weakest script uh, from start kind, to finish, and he yeah. thought that this uh, Zelizko Ivanek was uh, the only thing that even saved this script. <laughs> I will. The one thing that kind of threw me off right from the get go, and it's something. It's with most films. I don't watch, and I don't even remember other films that have this. Uh, um, my father used to work with those yes. that were mentally disabled, um, and so anytime I ever see a movie that kind of shows that shows the mentally disabled, and especially if it revolves around mm-hmm. something around that, like it, it kind of just yeah. makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> with although, it. and I. Uh... I guess we'll talk about it, but while I was watching, I guess we can talk about this now before we start. I didn't feel like they did anything that um, would be considered um, offensive, I guess, to the... Or against the... I just felt like it was a very respectful portrayal of... Uh, folks who have intellectual disabilities, which is sure. fine. Like it has nothing against it. It's just coming from my background. Right. Anytime is... I see something like that, mm-hmm. I always get a little. It is difficult. Mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely difficult. And there is some stuff week. There is some stuff in this episode, and we'll get to it as we talk about. It. There is some stuff in this episode that is genuinely touching, and I do think it has a lot to do with the performances of the two folks who or of the two actors who portray the characters that have intellectual disabilities. I think they do a very good job, but you're right. It is like a, a just sort of an uncomfortable watch. So, um, all right. The other thing that happened is yeah. I stopped taking notes at one point because I kept well, I did th- I did that because I, I got <laughs> almost all the way through the episode and I realized how long it had been taking me to watch this episode because I kept zoning out and having to go back over and over and over again to try to write my notes because I was zoning out so bad. And I was like, fuck it. It has taken me way too long to watch this mediocre episode. I'm just going to finish it without taking notes. So... I think it's probably better off because I'm pretty sure the really majority is. of this episode is a okay, little we'll good Okay, we'll dive right in, yada, I guess. Yada. The cold open is at this place called Mayhan Propulsion Lab at the Washington Institute of Technology in Colson, Washington. And we, uh, you know, get a shot of the janitor mopping the floor. Um, this is... We find out in a little bit. This is Roland. Uh, he has the uh, intellectual disability. And he's trying to use a key card and a pin to get into a sealed room. And he 
swipes his card and then puts in his pin and it doesn't work so he swipes his card and puts in his pin and it doesn't work and a science guy walks up and you know he's he's like give me that let me do that you put your pin in then you swipe you know he's very very rude to they are such so they're very rude they're to Roland. Such dicks. like there's not really it, it, this took they took the they're so rude to Roland that they took the place of as I've said in the last couple of episodes they, they've taken mm-hmm. the place of the yeah, uh, author, that, oh, yeah. the authority oh yeah it comes off especially because they're like super brainy science guys and you would think that they would realize that being super brainy science guys is just as much of a genetic fluke as um being intellectually disabled like not everybody can be as smart as they can and not everybody of course has the the handicaps that roland has so the fact that he's just a dick to roland is like i'm gonna smack this guy so hard uh so roland tells him his pin and he opens the door and we get a scene of a jet turbine being tested and a a lot of sciencey talk and a lot of yelling and they were apparently pushing the engine too hard and one of the guys shuts it down and the other yelling guy is like no don't shut it down and something something about protect the project and they argue more and basically they're trying to break the mock uh, speed they're trying to break 15, it to mock 6 i think 5 or 6 yeah or is it it might be yeah it might that would yeah like so Basically, the next step into velocity. Yep. So anyway, to Roland make is there. Planes you know, and jets go uh, faster. Mopping the floor, and nobody really pays attention to him because it's like, oh, there's the intellectually disabled janitor. They would probably in the '90s be thinking a uh, much more offensive word beginning with R, but I'm not. Um, and so yep. one of the guys is, yes, uh-huh. uh, one Reformed. of the guys. He's there. He's no. doing some math on a whiteboard. <laughs> And all the other guys leave, and Roland stays there mopping the floor, and the guy doing the math on the whiteboard, he goes into the room with the turbine to do some other stuff, and he gets locked in there, and we see that Roland is sitting at a computer and won't let him out of the turbine room, and Roland just turns the turbine on, which, of course, if you're in a room with a turbine sucking air at a uh, capacity to reach Mach 15, you're not going to be able to stay on your feet. Um, so Roland starts doing s- some math on the whiteboard, and in the wind tunnel, the science guy gets sucked into the turbine, Roland finishes out the equation on the whiteboard and goes back to mopping the floor. <laughs> and so then we get the opening credits. And then uh, Mulder and Scully are doing their uh, classic hallway walk. And Mulder's asking Scully about a wedding she was recently at. And then he gives her a folder about this thing, Project Icarus, which has to do with the jet engine. And there's a lot of yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, by the way, and I, I tuned out and I was like, you ever notice how Scully always walks just a step or two behind Mulder? Yeah, that was a studio mandate. They would not allow her to walk directly next to Mulder. 
Yep. Well, she was supposed yeah, to be the sidekick. Yeah, they had to show some kick. sort of dominance thing. In, so, in, uh, in, God in. And we'll come back as the series yeah. goes on um, to some of the disputes that Gillian Anderson specifically had with uh, Fox over um, not being treated as well as David Duchovny <laughs> because she was not. <laughs> Right yeah. up until the time of the 10th season, by the way, which was after the show had been off the air for years and was coming back for the first time. Oh, man, we'll get that'll come back up. Um, so lots of something stuff. Um, guy that died in the turbine was the second guy to die on the project in the last six months. And Scully's like, okay, so how is this an X-File? Do you, uh, do you think it has something to do with alien technology? And he's like, no, but something's going on here. And I don't know how he knows that or thinks that, but... Right, he... It's Mulder, of yeah, course he knows. Yeah, but in this one, they do... Some, like, it's spooky Mulder. A lot of times, they give him very little to go on. In this one... He's got nothing. He just know like in this one he literally just knows that there's something. They, they don't even provide him with evidence. Before. Well, even like throughout the rest of this episode too, like how they kind of come about it. Like Mulder's like, of, we'll get into it, but like he's like, of course it's yeah. this. I mean, and David just like, wasn't kidding. When yeah, he I said guess that's it. Was it. the weakest <laughs> script he had seen front to back. They give very little detail in this about, and even the last episode had at least some more Everything. possible explanations for things than this one does. Uh, so they uh, they go into the room we saw in the cold open, and Mulder and Scully meet Dr. Keats, the beardy science guy who was rude to Roland. Um, and he's, like, staring at the math board and bored, like I feel watching this episode. Uh, they go into the wind tunnel, and Scully's like, okay, so how did he get uh, shut in here? And Keats is like, well, someone locked him in because it can only be open and closed from the outside by the computer. Uh, why, blah, blah, blah. Why am I repeating all this? Uh, I already talked to blah, blah, blah. Uh, then the yelling suit guy blah, 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 blah. in glasses from earlier. He's like, hi, I'm Frank Nolette. Um, I'm also on this project and another guy on this project named Arthur Grable. He died six months ago and Scully's like, Oh, so maybe this is industrial espionage and Mulder's just out staring at the math. And he's like, Oh, who wrote this? And they're like, well, this dead guy did. And Mulder's like, well, this last little bit here is in different handwriting. Could it have been, uh, and he pulls out a list of like employees. He goes, this guy, Roland Fuller, he's the only one uh, on the police. He's he was the only one on the police report who was in that here. was also here last night. And Doctor Keats, again being very rude to people with intellectual disabilities, says that wasn't Roland. He's not a rocket scientist. 
So we cut to a shot of Roland at this place called the Heritage Halfway House. And apparently Roland's got a little girlfriend because he's made a little sign. says Tracy and he gives it to the woman across the table. Uh, She also has an intellectual disability and, you know, they have their little conversation and uh, the employee of the halfway house comes in and she's like, you know, Roland, these people are here to talk to you and it's Mulder and Scully and uh, they sit down and they start to ask him questions and everything. And Mulder happens to notice uh, a piece of paper Roland has in front of him, which he's been sticking stickers onto. And he has written the number one, five, six, two, six all over it over and over again. And, um, Scully, on the other hand, notices the star stickers and she says, you know, you must like stars and Roland's like 147 and Scully's like, what? And Roland says stars and he points at her shirt, which has stars on it. And he's apparently somehow counted every single star on her shirt in a matter of sec. What's that? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's counted 147 stars on her shirt in a matter of yeah. seconds. And so Mulder says to him, you like numbers too, huh? And uh, Roland starts having a weird vision of someone being dipped into liquid nitrogen. And he freaks out and he jumps up and he knocks the star stickers all over the floor. And as soon as he knocks them on the floor, he like drops to his knees and starts picking them up and counting them. And while he's distracted, Mulder steals the piece of paper with uh, 15626 written all over it. And, uh, you know, next scene is they're at the FBI headquarters in Seattle. And there's a handwriting expert who's looking at the handwriting of the math that doesn't match. And she's like, well, this doesn't match any of the other men on the project either. So it, it was definitely a different person who shouldn't have been there and Mulder whips out his piece of paper and he's like well see if it's this and Scully's like what's that and Mulder's like oh just Roland's handwriting and she's like uh really you don't think it was him do you and Mulder's like well he's the only other person we can prove was in the lab and Scully's like okay so we're talking about a really complicated equation here. And Mulder's like, well, you saw he could do, you know, quick math. Don't you, don't some autistic individuals display unusual abilities? And Scully's like, yeah, but they really, they're just human calculators. They can do the math, but they don't know what it means. Like if you ask them what they just did, they can't explain it to you. They can do it, but they don't know what it means. And the handwriting expert jumps in and is like, nah, you know what? She's right. This doesn't match that guy either. <laughs> so uh, we cut to Roland. He's having a nightmare again uh, about the dipping uh, dude in liquid nitrogen. And he jolts awake. And back at the lab, we see mean old Dr. Keats. He's there clearly working late. And you can tell he's working late because there's only like one little light bulb on in the whole big building. (laughs) 
Yeah, they, even big high-end security places with I all know, the scientists. It's always funny to me that you can tell you someone's know. working late because they're in a very dark place with only one little teeny lamp. <laughs> yeah, it's this. It's the same with every horror movie. Like it's giant, like a giant place. But there's always like one person there that's like that's like, like no, in a I have to have big, only like, this one you light, light to like maybe walk down the hall to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> yeah, you turn it on when you go to the bathroom. You turn it off when you get to the bathroom. Then you I turn it so. back on when you're done. Then you go down the hallway. It's so anyway. Doctor Keats is way more listening to music days. on his headphones, and so he doesn't hear that he's being sneaked up on. And Roland bashes him over the head, and he, you know, falls out of his chair. And Roland drags him over to the big container of liquid nitrogen and dips him in it until he's dead, just like in the vision. He, which wouldn't take very long. It's liquid nitrogen. Um, I do like how, like, at least with this. Um, he like pulls him out, throws him on the ground, and yep. he shatters. And he just like I was just about just to say he one drops foot in because like, he only dips his head in, so he in drops ear. him on the floor, and his head just shatters. Mm-hmm. So, and which I'm like, that's some good practical too. stuff. I've never seen there. it in any other like horror movie. Um, oh really? I've seen it. It's in, well, oh, that's right. You haven't it seen it. It's in Jason X. I forgot. Yep. Yeah, I he kills the ner- Jason kills the nurse with using that. it. And I have seen Jason X. I just forgot all about. I haven't seen it in a long time. I yeah, you should probably revisit because that movie is amazing. Jason X gets a bad rap, but I will watch <laughs> it five million more times before I watch Jason Goes to Hell even once. <laughs> We're going to have completely sidetracked, but we are. I think we should totally have, and anyone who wants to chime in via Instagram or whatever on Two Bro Geeks, we should definitely, I know your internet's not the greatest, but we should somehow do a Netflix party and watch one of those films and like, like just respond, like, just like we, totally like it, bash uh, the hell out of it. I know it's streaming on Shudder right now. Oh, I thought we were talking about Jason, Jason X. Goes to Hell. Well, depending what because... which one we choose, the Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, if we do Jason Goes to Hell, that's not on Shutter. They only goes up to it's like, I think it only goes oh, up to Jason. Oh, that one's also really bad. Takes Manhattan, though. and those, yeah, and those go away. Oh, I was gonna say that. I might, think by the time Jason this airs, they're already this gone. This is total sidetrack. But Jason takes Manhattan might as well be called. Jason on a boat and then spends a couple minutes on a Canadian street. And <laughs> oh yeah. god. To make it seem anyway, like it's Manhattan. We may the only way I will watch Jason Goes to Hell again is if we find some way to do something like cuz I own it, but that's only cuz I bought a box set of all of those I know well, I the, I kind of got the idea because last night more side tangent, but who cares? This episode's bullcrap. Uh, uh, our mutual friend Jenny last night did like a 
I guess a live stream watch of drinking game to the the newest fast oh, uh, the Hobbs funny. and Shaw Fur- Fast and Furious film. And I was like, I know you don't drink. I rarely drink, but I'm sure we could find something else mm-hmm. that we could do, like watching some stupid horror we'll film like out. that. Uh, so where were we? Oh yeah, Doctor Keats's head shatters. Yeah. And uh, then the next morning, Scully explains <laughs> liquid nitrogen to Mulder. She plays uh, Captain Exposition, uh, or Basil Exposition, if we're talking about uh, Austin Powers, which we're not. But um, And then <laughs> this next part is only funny to you and me. No one else is going to get it, but it's hilarious. And we're not going to explain it to you guys. It's an in-joke, and we're going to laugh, and sorry. But Mulder goes over to the computer, and he finds a whole bunch of files. And I made a (laughs) note here. Oh, geez, look at that old-school computer. And then he notices the last one on the list, or the almost last one on the list, is titled (laughs) K-Man. Yeah, it's just like I saw that and I was like, Which "Oh, part just no. and I laughed at and were also equally horrified by um oh my I kind of okay, another side tangent cuz Matt and I have been talking about this a while. I've been getting bombarded it's with been super weird like the, the lockdown and really has had like the weirdest people reaching out to you. <laughs> But now I'm blaming it on this episode because of that particular because of fucking K Man. <sighs> That's what started know, this episode's cursed. He listens to this show somehow. Um, uh, K Man yeah. file, Keats's file turned off at twelve thirty one a.m. and then Scully's like, "Well, wait a minute. Look at this other file here. That one is called Arthur." And it was opened at 12.31 a.m. And somebody worked on it for over five hours. And so Mulder's like, so someone came in here, murdered Keats, sat down at the computer, and just worked for five hours while his shattered head was over there on the floor um, for science. And they can't access it. Password. Blah, blah, blah. Mulder, of course, is like, try 15626, which is the number Roland had written over and over again. And Scully does and file opens and it's dead Arthur Grable's file. So somebody is working on Arthur's work since he's been dead. And Scully is like, how did you know that was the password? And he shows her Roland's paper. And then we cut to this dream sequence that Roland is having of a little boy and standing with a woman and the woman's like wave bye and uh, we see there's another boy being loaded crying into a car and driven off and Roland wakes up and Mulder and Scully come in and uh, which I have to say uh, yeah because she was I'm surprised that woman let them back in yeah, well, uh, because the she was so mad. Yeah, and so it's like those nice people are so back, upset, and I'm like, no. Uh, the last time they were there, and Roland says, you know, I'm not supposed to talk to them, and she's like, who told you that? You know, what did we discuss about being shy? And 
Mulder helps Roland pick his outfit and Scully takes the lady outside to talk to her. And so Mulder starts asking Roland some more questions about, you know, do you like your job? How did you get it? And uh, we find out that this dead Arthur Grable guy helped Roland get his job. And Mulder's like, oh, so you really liked Dr. Grable? And course Roland did and then Mulder's like when did you last speak to him last week week before and Roland's like well Dr. Grable's dead and Mulder's like I'm sorry and Roland's like well people die they go away and they're not supposed to come back and of course that makes they're Mulder not supposed to come back <laughs> and at the same time, Scully is talking to the halfway house lady and she wants to know, she's like, you know, has Roland ever mentioned anybody named Arthur? And she's like, well, you know, that was Dr. Grable's first name, but I don't think Roland even knew what his first name was. Oh, and by the way, Roland's girlfriend is there sweeping the floor and she seems pretty upset. And so Scully gets a copy of Roland's file and history and Mulder and Scully just sitting in a library and this is where it all starts to be like this is all just yeah because this is where it starts to really unravel number one it's not super interesting number two they're connecting a lot of dots seemingly randomly at this point because Mulder at this point is like, well, Dr. Yeah. Grable specifically went there to hire a mentally challenged person. And Scully is like, D-. basically at this point, they don't think Arthur is really dead. Is Once they found that file is what we find out. Because she's like, you think he hired Roland to use him? And... Mulder kind of gives her a look and so she's like are you suggesting Dr. Grable is still alive and Mulder's like well if he was going to kill the other guys he would be the least likely suspect if he was dead and Scully holds up a picture of a car wreck and she's like I think he's hamburger Mulder Um, stuff things turns out dr grable's from seattle and he was an only child and stuff and things and Mulder looks in roland's file again don't know why yeah this is this is the just opens biggest, the file like, and goes oh look straws. roland's also from this seattle and so he spent far. half of his life in the halfway house and the identity of his parents is sealed by the courts, and there's no info on him before the age of three. But look here, his birthday is July 15th, 1952, which, of course, is Dr. Grable's birthday. So now, you've figured it out at this point. They're twins. Like, that's the, that, they are from, yeah, mystery solved-ish. Mystery solved-ish. <laughs> So back at the halfway house, Roland and Tracy are drawing and Roland is drawing a picture of an airplane. And he, you know, this scene was the one where I was like, this is like a good scene between the two of them. Because, you know, he's drawing his airplane and he says, you know, he he asked Tracy, don't you wish you could fly? And she does her whole thing about, well, I can fly, you know, in my dreams because anything can happen in dreams. I even once dreamed that you and I were married and we we lived in a house to 
It was so good. Like, for all that the... was cute. Mm-hmm. It was that was like as as much as I've said, mm-hmm. like this episode kind of made me feel uncomfortable, just because of that this kind of stuff. Like being, I've been around these kind of these. Yes, I, I've been around people like this for a good part of my life, and I'm like, this is the sweetest yeah, thing, and it's, it's pretty it's, spot, like it's pretty accurate. And I, I was like, I was just like, oh, I could have been like, I'm like, if this went a little bit further, I could be in tears just because of how sweet it is. Out of this episode and put them in a better episode, it would have been amazing. I mean, they are amazing. The two of them are great. Like when I was yeah. saying earlier that they, there were some real good moments between the two of them. Um, it's this, and then later on towards the end of the episode where they just both get two of the best scenes for an yeah, episode oh. that is just stretched so yeah. thin in terms of the the plot and everything else. They, do, um, so uh, you know, and so she you know tells him all about this dream she had, and then she says, you know, do you ever have any dreams? And he gets kind of agitated and doesn't answer. And she says, come on, you can you can tell me who is Arthur. And Roland just like starts to like have this kind of like epileptic fit and has a vision of himself strangling Tracy. So he screams. He's like, no, no. And he shoves her aside and runs up the stairs and locks himself in the bathroom and is like, has another vision of strangling her and she of course runs after him because she doesn't know what's wrong and she's crying and he's just in there screaming go away I don't want to hurt you um yeah really good uh it was really good so we then we go from that dramatic really well acted scene to this ridiculous picture of old dudes dressed like young dudes because it's clearly meant to be a picture of these old dudes as younger dudes but boy is it bad it's really really it is dudes clearly in their 40s and 50s dressed like hippies from the 60s because they're supposed to be college students Oh, yeah, it's bad, and it is this reasons. guy Frank Nolette that we met earlier, and Mulder and Scully are in his office, and Mulder's like, "What's the story of this picture?" And he tells him all about it, and it, this whole story has no bearing on the plot except for the fa- except for the I, fact that yada yada yada. In this picture, Mulder points at one guy, and he's on like, "Is professor. this Arthur Grable uh, here?" And more stuff and things. And Mulder, it turns out that Arthur Grable was apparently kind of a a prankster or a joke player or whatever. And Mulder is like, well, so do you think he could make it seem like Roland is accessing his old files and working on them? And Nolette's like, well, he'd have to be alive. And Scully's like, so could he have faked his own death? And Nolette is just like, no. And Mulder starts pointing out all these ways that the police report on the car accident was bad. And finally, Nolette's just like, no, it wasn't art. Goodbye. Um, 
And this is where I pretty much stopped taking notes because we uh, cut to a cryo chamber at the Avalon Foundation at the Washington Institute of Tech. Arthur's head is in a cryogenic chamber. This is an episode of Futurama now. <laughs> it's Futurama does a whole Disney. exposition on cryogenics about, you know, well, maybe someday these people will, there will be cures for these people. And we'll find a way to make bodies that they will actually be able right, to sustain exactly. the head and, finally, and then they can go back to a Mulder normal life. notices that the temperature on the oh, capsule God. that Arthur Grable's head is in keeps fluctuating and he's like is this normal for the temperature to fluctuate and it's like no um, not normal um, we're trying to figure yeah we're trying to figure out um, it's only happening with that unit uh, Mulder, wait, hang on. I'm looking at the because I, I stopped taking notes. <laughs> I thought you were Pretty just much the because just like, I don't uh, I'm just talk looking about at the summary. I also have the uh, plot summary up on my computer because I did stop taking notes. Um, basically, uh, the. the they take a picture of okay well they take a picture of no, they just, uh, here i uh, here i can help Arthur out with this. Yeah, to I, another digital artist and she takes his beard and his glasses away and redoes his hair and that's when they realize it's the identical twin brother um and then Mulder basically comes up with the theory that within this cryogenic unit Arthur Grable's head is still alive, and because they're twin brothers, he can periodically control Roland's body and actions. And I just need to say, when he says that, no one questions him, because I think they realize they're running out of time of this in this episode yeah not, not even scully, scully argues like, with him that's stupid that the why would that like cryogenically like, preserved yeah. head is somehow controlling <laughs> she just goes with it it's like well exactly what would be, what so, would be the next thing well like what's the point right and it? again i think you're right i think it's partly because i think it's mostly because they were running out of time and also probably partly because they realized they couldn't doctor the script anymore. Like this was probably like, we have to shoot something. Um, so it, it, basically once yeah. they realize this, they're off somewhere and Nolet sneaks into the cryogenic facility. He tamples tampers with Grable's heads storage unit because he, like you said, he just believes Mulder that, oh, his brain is in there controlling this other guy, ruining the project, so he better run in and destroy the head. And Roland comes in. Um, oh, it, at some point, Roland escaped the, the halfway house. That was the other thing. He, they go back. They go back to the uh, Mulder and Scully go back to the halfway house to try and talk, talk. And uh, at this point, uh, Roland, it, it, being slightly controlled by his twin, realizes what's up. So mm -hmm. forces and then him goes to, to like, the lab and starts working. Yo, hides in the lab uh, to work out the the math. 
Yeah, because he because the head is sending all the info to Roland because of the tampering with his thing. There's only yes, so much time it, left before right. the head. And so just Roland, dies. he's he's there. He's getting the engine. Yep, and he, double, he's double getting fisted, the engine he's to go up to Mach notes. 15, and um, Nolette comes in and finds him there, and it, he admits to stealing the work, and of course, Roland slash Arthur gets very upset, you know, he's like, it it was my work, you know, you stole it, and, and Nolette's like, yep, yep, but, you know, sometimes this stuff happens and what else was I supposed to do? You were dead. The project had to keep going on and he gets ready to shoot Roland, but he gets distracted by math on the board and cause he notices it and he notices that yeah. it was something he hadn't thought of before or whatever. Roland hits him with the computer keyboard, drags him into the wind tunnel and Mulder and Scully arrive just in time to convince Roland to shut the engine off so that Nolette won't get sucked into it. And at the same time, the rising temperatures in the storage unit finally kill the head. And this is where we get back to the halfway house where Roland is being taken out of the halfway house to be taken to a psychiatric institute for testing. Um... And this is where we get that other good scene that we were talking about where Tracy doesn't want him. Yeah, where, where Tracy's like, you know, don't go. Oh, and he's like, so I good. have to. Um, just another really kind of heartbreaking scene. And the, the last little bit of the episode is Roland stops, looks in the mirror, and combs his hair into a style that looked like his twin brother's hairstyle, raising the question of whether he is actually free from Grable's control, even though the head is dead. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that was Roland. Yeah, it's it that it was that episode sucked mm. hard for the most part. Like, I'm just gonna say it. Like my I, because of mm. the two people playing those uh, that are mental that were mentally challenged, it helped raise this. No, it wasn't the worst episode compared to space. <laughs> or yeah, um, I kind of give, but honestly though, I give this. Yeah, a I agree. D plus uh, in, in, for pretty much the exact same reason really the the two actors playing the people with intellectual disabilities are the saving grace of this episode uh, they only get they only get a few scenes uh Robin! but they save it a lot anyway cat. <laughs> uh, next week we finally get to move on to a pretty good run of episodes next week is the uh, season finale of season one titled the Erlenmeyer flask. Um, and boy, does a lot happen in next week's episode and it is a good one. So everybody buckle up because the next one is going to introduce a lot of things, excuse me, a lot of things that are very important to the rest of the series. So, Yep, next week, the Erlenmeyer. Yes! That's your homework. All right, and I think that is 
it for this one, unless you've got anything else. All right, yeah, I need a poll, people. How many of you, <laughs> well, this, I mean, it's only gonna be one piece of clothing, but how many of you think there'd be a great piece of clothing that we could sell if on women's like underwear oh, on the front it just says, I up. want to Perfect. believe. Oh, that'd be so funny. Yes! That probably is something <laughs> that exists. I'm gonna have to Google, I'm gonna have to Google search that later. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, the other product I told you the other day, like the condom thing, I thought of that just because I remember there was a string of condoms that have Gene Simmons' face on it with his tongue going down the end, those. like the, the side of it. I was gonna, and I was like, I saw oh, one of those on eBay yeah, the other day. I was like, I forgot hmm. all about those. Oh my god, those are funny. All right, that is it for this week. We will catch you next time. Yeah. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.